you really want a fourth spinner at Magic Kingdom? <laughs> Welcome, folks, to another episode of Theme Park Sandbox. My name is Aaron. My name's Drew. And you're in for a fun episode today because we have absolutely nothing planned. <laughs> We're just going to see where things go today. So, Drew, I know that you did something fun today. Could you tell everyone what you did today? Yes, um, I had a great time today. I went to Universal Studios Hollywood, which was epic. Woo! Yeah, I'm telling you, man, being in the theme parks is, is really awesome. I, you know, it was just a solo trip. You know, if you guys would like to see, you know, what we're doing in the parks, follow our Instagram. Uh, Aaron and I take over the Instagram, both on the East Coast and the West Coast. and uh, we have a great time, and we like to point out little design features and fun facts, and uh, it's just kind of a continuation of what we do here. But I had a great time at Universal Studios. I got there super early in the morning, which is kind of the way to do things because it's summer now, and all the kids are out of school. So like once it hits like 10.30, it's like an hour wait for everything. But I was able to get on to the Transformers ride as well as see the Waterworld stunt show. So that was pretty cool. Very cool. Nice. Yeah, and I saw that you went to Magic Kingdom the other day. Yes, I did. Uh, I also went kind of first thing in the morning, um, headed out. I hadn't been to Magic Kingdom since before the pandemic. I had been to a couple of the other Disney World parks, but it was really good to be back, and it was cool to see what's different and what's the same. Yeah. Um, I just kind of walked around and soaked it all in. I got on the People Mover. I did want to check out the the Tron construction, so that was pretty neat, but also just nice to get like on a laid back ride. Yeah. It was one of the lowest weights in the park as well, which is nice. Um, oddly, Jungle Cruise is still like the dominant longest wait in the park. And I think it's because of all the changes that they're making. Yeah, I, I agree. I think everybody's trying to, to get their cameras on whatever's changing yeah. first. Um, I think they installed the new totem pole um scene in i don't did yeah. you see that when you were there i didn't get on it it was well over an hour wait oh. i really only had the morning um but i also got to uh do something i'd never done at magic kingdom before which was explore tom sawyer's island nice which was really really fun uh i've obviously been to the one in anaheim mm -hmm. but i had never taken the time i i was talking to you about this earlier Whenever I've gone to Magic Kingdom, it's usually been with a group. This was a solo trip, which made it much more interesting Yeah, because I got to slow down and I got to absorb a lot more. But it's always like, oh, we're going to do this, 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 and then fit in the, uh, you know, the fireworks show, fit in this show, fit in that, or we're going to park hop. Or it's always like a chaotic day, uh, a fun day, but a packed day. And right. this was like no agenda, just go and relax, hang out. And uh, I didn't even know that there was a fort, like the Frontierland Fort is kind of just pushed all the way to the back of Tom Sawyer's Island. Didn't know that. Yeah, and it's called I something... I feel like I should. It's called something different over there, right? Because ours is Fort yes. Wilderness, and I yeah. can't remember what that one's called. Yeah, neither can I. But uh, it was a fun little thing. They, they connect it to the escape caves and tunnels. Um, ah, that, cool. That Tom Sawyer's Island is known for, so that's really cool. There's like a little back duck away spot. Some really cool 
like this does because you get to see like a perfect view of Thunder Mountain, but you also get to see a perfect view of Liberty Square. Yeah. Um, I took this really cool shot of Liberty Square with Haunted Mansion on one side, the the boat, the river boat, which is called the, Lip, uh, the Liberty Bell, right. right in the middle. And off in the distance, you can see Magic Kingdom's castle. So it's like a really cool spot. You don't get to see that many icons from a spot normally because you're right in the middle of a bunch of buildings, but it's really neat to see. Yeah. Uh, so I would love to go. Have a great time. Yeah. Tom Sawyer yeah, Island is not something that I normally, I don't think I've ever been to the one in Florida, but even the one here, I mean, it's probably been years since I've been yeah, on every it. once in a blue moon, right? Yeah. yeah. But the views are really cool, especially the one here, because they've done such a good job of rerouting the railroad to at the edge of the rivers of America on the backside of Tom Sawyer yes, Island. Right. And it's just like, it's a beautiful view and they've done such a good job of, of making that berm. And it just makes you feel like you're, you know, on a real river. It's, it's really cool. So definitely yeah. maybe uh, we'll have to do another underrated overrated well, and one thing I, I never really appreciated until I was, you know, again, because I'm not looking at my phone, I'm not talking to somebody, I'm not distracting myself, I'm not putting churros in my mouth. I was like trying to pay attention to the logistics of the rafts. And that was really interesting because there's two uh, ports on either side of the river. And you kind of see like where the manager was. It's kind of like directing traffic. And then suddenly the riverboat's coming down. And I never realized this is one waterway that has two totally different vehicles coexisting on it. And I don't think people really appreciate that that takes some doing. That takes some thought. It's true. It's literal traffic. Yeah, it is. And and here at Disneyland, you've got the um, the Mark Twain, which is the riverboat. You've got the sailing ship Columbia. You've got two rafts for Tom Sawyer Island, and then also the canoes. <laughs> so the canoes, yep. It's, Everyone it's a lot. Everyone forgets those canoes. Everyone does forget the canoes. I, I will say it's been a while since I've been on it. It's like the one ride where you get wet and you're annoyed. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> That's true. But, but back to what we were saying, like, yeah, for me, going solo to theme parks is something that I had never, ever done before the pandemic. It was always like, call up every single friend that you, that you know that has a pass mm -hmm. and be like, hey, do you want to go tonight? Do you want to go tonight? And you're just trying to sell yeah. them into going with you. But during the pandemic, your parks were open. You still didn't go. Um, yeah. But man, my parks were closed. So what I ended up doing was I would spend my random day off during the week and walk through downtown Disney. And I realized it's really no different than walking around a theme park and going on rides mm -hmm. and things like that. So I, I have grown this like this really amazing appreciation for um, being able to go to theme parks by yourself and not feeling weird about it. And I, I would imagine it's like going to a movie by yourself, right? I'd never done that before either. So um, yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. I really do. You get to absorb different details. I think totally. there's such a, a preconditioned social aspect to experiencing something with someone else. Right. You know, whether it's a, did you see that? Or, oh, can you believe? Or, oh, I love this ride. Let's go do it together. It's, it's almost like, you know, going on Haunted Mansion with your best friend is like watching one of your favorite episodes of Friends or The Office. It's yeah. like, you know, every single beat and you're looking forward to it and you sort of like build into it and let it kind of wash over you and you enjoy it. But when you're by yourself, there's a, there's a different characteristic that it takes on 
where you start looking for things that you've never experienced before in that thing that you're so familiar with. Or you just take yourself to do something that you've never done before. Totally. I mean, like, <laughs> I've even gone to, like, I've been to Knott's Berry Farm and Universal Studios now, and on Monday I'm going to Disneyland. But, like, I've just noticed the layouts of the parks and different areas to sit. I, I also do find that when I go to, with myself, I hardly sit at all. I basically just walk around the True. whole time, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. I also like the idea of, like, you know, we're going there for this show, for you guys. And what's really cool is we get this opportunity to find these really cool details, like you said, that we would walk right by if we had an mm -hmm. agenda with a whole group of people, right? So yeah. uh, with this, we really get to focus in and uh, and find all the really, really great details that when combined together, create this amazing immersive experience. Did you did you notice anything new or different about your time at Universal that you might not have if you were with a group? Um, a dining dining is probably like a very there are so many restaurants that I would probably just have never gone to because they're kind mm -hmm. of strange. But when you go to a theme park by yourself and you don't have to find kind of like a uh, you don't have to build a consensus no within the group yeah exactly there's, there's no happy medium right yeah. exactly you don't have to make sure everybody in the group is happy like you can kind of go in and be like all right i'm gonna try this thing and it's just me so that's kind of nice i actually did that very thing with dining because i went and got the uh the egg rolls i'd never had the uh cheeseburger egg rolls oh really and a combo with the cheeseburger egg roll and the buffalo chicken egg roll and i was like cool, let's try both. <laughs> Who cares? So I just like picked them up and then walked from where that little kiosk is, which is like an Adventureland. And I walked kind of like to another area near Liberty Square just to find a chill little spot to eat, took some pictures and then just like was with my thoughts thinking about like if I even liked this stuff. And I was like, this buffalo chicken one's not that good. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! The cheeseburger one, it did, it, it, it did fine. I missed out on the pepperoni ones, which I'm very bummed about because that's like, I think that is probably the best one of the three, yeah. even though it's the one I haven't had. Well, the good news is that when you come here at California Adventure, if you go to the Paradise Garden Grill. Uh, they have the pepperoni egg rolls and what's really cool about our egg rolls is they come with not only marinara but also pesto dipping sauce which Ooh, i really like but uh yeah back so back to dining too so you asked yeah. me if i had found anything new and i guess in the moment i couldn't think of it but now that i think about it and kind of based on what you said like yes i try those new foods but because of social distancing, there's like way less tables, right? So you are forced mm -hmm. to do kind of what you did and take yeah. your food on the go and find a, a, a spot to eat. And I will say I found some really, really amazing spots in like every pass holder. Like I think the parks are getting better at kind of reducing the amount of quiet spots in the park. But I found like mm -hmm. an amazing little walkway between Simpsons, like kind of like the, the tram tour entrance and forbidden journey and i just like oh, walked okay. along the path and it was like quiet and beautiful and i got breakfast it was fantastic it was really great so i, I guess i have found some some new things yeah yeah but. i will say on on a solo trip that i took to universal floor uh universal orlando uh this just made me think of it i went 
to literally get ice cream and tacos. And I got ice cream in, um, in Hogsmeade. Okay. And I walked with my ice cream back over to the Simpsons area and got a plate of tacos. And the Simpsons layout is very similar between Hollywood and Orlando. But the difference okay. is if you go like behind the Duff Beer Garden and behind where like the Bumblebee food truck is, mm -hmm. the taco truck and all that, uh, it's just a big waterway. And that's like the waterway that oh. if you were to like, you know, as the crow flies, if you jumped right across it, that would be like all the London stuff. And then ahead of that is like all the San Francisco stuff. There's a nice little like lower down to almost water level uh, little eating area that no one ever goes to. I have never seen a soul there. Nice. And, and I, I think people must assume that like, it's either like a maintenance dock or you can't even really tell that there are stairs leading to it in some angles and some spots when you're walking down the main uh, Springfield drag. So I love that little spot. <laughs> I'm guessing that you probably have like the Hollywood equivalent of that. Yeah. Yeah. Basically just a nice quiet <laughs> space that, you know, while we are posting on Instagram and, you know, trying to get yep. content, um, it's really nice to just have a quiet area where nobody's bugging you. And it's really hard to do it in line because you get just so, you know, you dive in yeah. on the posts and we try to, you know, give you guys as much detail as possible. So it's hard to do it when you're in line. So I, I love finding those little quiet places within the parks. Um, we should probably talk about n not so quiet places in the park. Uh, and specifically the one that happened last week, and that is Avengers Campus at Disneyland. That's true. Yes. This, I don't know if you... Uh, this, this was like the dominating everyone, everything. Everyone was posting about, talking about. Yeah. And, you know, we did our kind of like nod to Marvel talking about like the, the experiences past Avengers Campus that would be just fun, that would be cool. And... Funny enough, like some of our ideas, Drew, were, were not that far off to things <laughs> I know. That, that actually exist in Avengers Campus that, I mean, I'll speak for myself, I had no idea about. Right. I haven't looked up things. I'm on the wrong coast for it anyway. <laughs> but it's not like there were a lot of vloggers out there talking about it at the time we recorded. We recorded three or four days before the opening. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I was shocked, actually, when I did kind yeah. of watch all the videos. And I'm sure there are so many details that aren't being, you know, vlogged about. I'll be there on Monday, like I said. So um, I will hopefully then be able to be our Avengers Campus expert or something like that. Awesome. But I'll be looking out for Easter eggs and stuff. But it seemed busy. Like on opening day, it seemed quite frankly like a nightmare. It was super hectic. I've seen a lot of people tweeting complaints about not being able to get in a boarding group for Web Slingers. Yeah. Uh, and... And I guess they're they're offsetting the boarding group times by an hour from Rise of the Resistance. I guess is good, but it's like that's also a convoluted thing where yeah. like at 7 a.m. you're doing one ride virtual queue, at 8 a.m. you're doing another one that you're gonna get on at some point three, four, five, six hours later. And if you missed both of those things, then you have another chance at noon or one. And whew, like that's that's quite a time. Quite a time. But Web Slingers looks amazing and totally worth it if you can swing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, shh, we're both drummers. Um, yeah, what's <laughs> what, what's really interesting to me is apparently, uh, like we, I went on Knott's Berry Tales, and you know, it's okay. You know, Knott's Berry Farm needed some sort of kind of 
interactive gaming ride, you know? Like, was it as good as Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters? Mm, was it as good as Midway Mania? I don't think so. But, you know, is it anywhere near Web Slingers? I, I don't think so. Based on what everybody has told me, when you sling your arm, it is accurate. It looks exactly like it's shooting out of your wrist. And so, yeah, I, I don't know, like the little sneak peeks that I've gotten look amazing. Uh, I'm not super in to those, you know, interactive rides. I think there's maybe a little too many of them. But what do you think? Like, what's your just your opinions in general about interactive rides? Because we've been seeing a lot of them lately. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a tweet this week uh, from, a, from a big theme park vlogger that I really like, um, Kevin Perjurer. Okay, yeah. Who does Defunct Land, a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Um, look him up if you haven't. He's great. And he said, basically, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, who asked for interactive rides? Like, who was it that said, yeah, this dark ride is really great, but what would be awesome is if I had an ability to interact with it. Or, yeah, this land and the immersion is fantastic, but I really wish that I had a button on my phone that I could press and it would do a thing. And it really got me thinking, like, who asked for interactivity in rides? Yeah. And it's like this chicken and egg scenario where it's like, did theme parks offer it first? Or was there, like, was there really guest demand for something like, yeah, this is cool, but I really want ba 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 ba. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that Midway Mania definitely started kind of the, the, I don't know, the zeitgeist, I suppose, of these shooter rides and video gaming into the, the experience. Uh, but I think you're right. I think there might be too many. Uh, I've been on a couple. There's a Justice League one at Six Flags. Oh, really? Okay. And it is... It's a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't love it. Um, I haven't been on Knott's Berry Tales. I watched a, a ride through and I've just heard your reviews and it looks like a ride that I would go on with like a younger cousin or something, maybe a niece or nephew, but it's not something I would seek out. Yeah. Uh, Web Slinger seems cool because it at least has a new mechanic. Right. But I am like, I'm not really that adamant about waiting very long for Buzz Lightyear or waiting very long for Midway Mania. I also think it's kind of weird that like two interactive video gamey shooter rides use the same intellectual property yeah. mm -hmm. in neighboring parks. Like, I do wonder if Astro Blasters isn't like not only just showing its age, but like really drawing too much of an on the nose comparison. Yeah, I think there. Well, like, first of all, we should probably acknowledge the difference between different types of interactions. So the specific interactions sure. that we're talking about is the gaming interaction or like the gaming interactive ride. So I'm not talking about like Autopia because that's like physically very interactive. You can't really ride that ride unless you are interacting with it. But we're talking about things that are like like Buzz Lightyear, Midway Mania, Web Slingers. They're pretty much all shooters. And, and Is there an interactive element that's not a shooting ride? No, because even Millennium, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is also that. It's like, yeah, it's shooting. So 
it is, I will say Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters, I think was like a proof of concept, right? Like people really liked it. And so they decided we're going to up the ante. We're going to make Midway Mania. And mm -hmm. at the time, they didn't really have a place for, for um, Toy Story. And so they just grabbed Buzz and said, he's space related because Tomorrowland mm -hmm. is space apparently. So let's just put him in there. And then when it was successful, they built Midway Mania. But I don't know, like... I, I guess yeah, I, Astro Blasters is kind of like the beta test. Yeah, that, that uh, the developers just said, eh, "It's solid. Just let it be a full thing." Right, and never really decided to make improvements on that. Mm -hmm. Instead, they made improvements on the next product, being Midway Mania, which was a huge, huge improvement. It just does make a little bit of a, a odd parallel between the two. And it's it's really interesting too to me. Like I think in my I don't and tell me if you're if you're thinking differently, but in my brain, the difference between Star Tours and Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, like Star Tours has never ever been bad ever. So like what changed in their minds to say like, "Oh, well when we put people in the Millennium Falcon, we want them to be able to drive it." Because I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty rough goes in millennium falcon smugglers run if your pilots are little kids and yeah. they're just doing yeah. this the whole time you're just like right. this is this is insane so like mm -hmm. I, it's it's very and also i i know it's risky it, it is risky because you're putting someone who's been waiting in line for an hour plus you're putting their ride experience in the hands of other guests I think that's sketchy. I think that's a little risky. And I think that's why we've kind of had mixed reviews and why for me, Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is kind of like a one and done. Like I only go on it every once in a while, right? I don't Versus know. What are your thoughts? Rise of the Resistance. Rise of the Resistance is like, is great because you're still an integral member of the story. Right. But you're not operating the vehicle. You're not tell you're you're not deciding when to go and when to stay and uh-oh you went at the wrong time and you got hit by the laser cannon right like uh-oh no it's just you get that kind of like out of control someone else is deciding my fate and so the storytellers have full capacity to do exactly what they want to do yeah to have drama to have that kind of risk reward without just putting it in the hands of a nine-year-old who it's their first time or some jerk who just thinks it's funny right to do bad right exactly or going by yourself which some people have done which is very very weird because then you realize yeah. that like if you're going to give us control over the ride vehicle it should it should have consequences you should go down the wrong tunnel for example mm -hmm. um but not just be able to go three feet to the right three feet to the left three feet above three feet below and then the ride is exactly the same. Um, I, I think there's also, it's kind of like they were trying to get it all, right? They were trying to do everything. Interact interactive, um, simulator, and then also kind of like a, a rewards point system at the end. Yeah, the gamified point system. Then they were trying to take the gamified point system and then have real life consequences in your in-person interactions. Right. So it really was like, try and put everything into this one ride which hey kudos for for jumping that far yeah like that's pretty cool and that certainly pushes things forward but i guess it's like any sort of proof of concept uh 
one thing works out really well, the other things maybe not so well. Yeah, and what's interesting too with the dynamic of Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is that it's it's a team effort, right? You have six mm-hmm. people in the cockpit with you and collectively you get a score. And I think that kind of pulls away from the fun of the ride almost. Because like Midway Mania, the reason you go on is because you want to beat the person next to you. It's competitive. Yes, exactly. Right? You yeah. have that that competition and you don't have that when you're on Smuggler's Run. So like, I wonder how mm-hmm. much of that kind of plays into uh, the enjoyment, at least for me. Well, and I'll, I'll call out a universal interactive ride. Men in Black is another... Essentially, it's like uh, Buzz Lightyear. Right. It's just got kind of like a little bit more, well, it's less cartoony, I guess, you know? Yeah. And as a result, it does feel like a little bit more grown up. Okay. But I also think it's really cool that they don't have targets, that it's just the environment. Yeah. So Hmm. anywhere that you hit an alien is valid, but the more that you hit in particular spots, the sooner that you would get the points for it versus, you know, if you're, if you're, mainlining it right to the head you can knock that thing out very quickly you get a lot of points there's more like ride vehicle interactivity there's some pretty fast spinning there's will smith come on <laughs> come so, on i i don't know like that does have like a, a fun quality to it but it's also like that's one of those rides that it really because it's competitive it really matters who you go with it's not really something i would seek out we're talking about solo trips I'm never going to do Men in Black on my own. Right. Not fun. But if I'm with a big group of people, especially a group of people that hasn't been on it before, and getting to experience their first time and the competition and, like, the corniness and the jokes and kind of, like, laugh at how it shows its age, but really also laugh at your enjoyment. Laugh at who does well and who doesn't do well. I think that's where these rides work, is when the interactivity feeds itself socially right so yeah i guess i i I can see that if i had to fix smugglers run and make it more competitive i almost would say if they're going to move forward with you being treated differently when you walk around the park um i almost feel like they should like fire the person who did the worst in the cockpit yeah and give them some sort of like wristband like hey you're not allowed on any ships the rest of the day and that way (laughs) and that way when the cashiers or you know bartenders or just store people you know see that wristband they go like oh hondo fired you huh how'd that go Mm -hmm. right and and that's better to me i think that's kind of a way that i would fix that that problem because then it's more competitive like i don't want to be the worst person that that gets fired off the crew right would there be space for something like this where there's a very like delicate, very detailed, almost like a driving simulator compared to Mario Kart? Like we're now in the Mario Kart version of of Smuggler's Run, which by the way, we should talk about the Mario Kart ride, which is another interactive ride. That that one's not shooting all the time, but it's a lot of shooting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Anyway, what I was gonna say is, do you think there would be room for like a real authentic like flight simulator level version of something like Smuggler's Run where Disney will put out an app and be like, you can practice this thing at home because when you come and do this thing for real, it's not easy. And it would be, I don't know, like mission space where you can go orange, 
very flight simulator, authentic, whatever. And then you go green, which is it's where everyone else goes. It's where everyone goes for their first time. Do you think there'd even be room for that? I think there is. I, I quite frankly, you know, I don't think the Disney Play app is aimed towards people our age. I think we're looking for something no, more no. along the lines of, of what you're saying. Just having it be more challenging and giving people the opportunity to, you know, maybe maybe bring their score. Are you saying like bring their scores into the park with them via the phone? Well, not only that, but bring their practice, you know. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm imagining that like people our age with a little bit of disposable income will go and buy a Millennium Falcon flight simulator thing to put on their desk. Yeah. Practice it. Get good at it. And then go out and do the thing in the wild. And, and maybe like, maybe there is some kind of social credibility aspect and uh, some competitive nature to it. Uh, not just for, not just competitive in terms of in the vehicle, like your Astro Blasters or like your other, you know, like 1v1 kind of things, but like a whole ranking system, sort of like they tried to do with Test Track in a way right they do like the the race rankings at the end of test track and no one really cares because you don't you don't earn it you just kind of like fiddle with a design screen in the beginning of the ride and then it sort of shows things but you're forgetting about it by the time you're in the actual experience and then by the end you're like well let's go into the gm showroom now cool (laughs) right let's walk into a dealership (laughs) right yeah i see what you mean I think I think adding any sort of competitive edge to Smuggler's Run, whether it be at home with the app where you can do some like training or something like that and then bring it in with you, I, I just think any sort of you know competitive aspect of it would be moving it to another level. Yeah, yeah. totally. And and it would make it more repeatable, right? Because then people mm-hmm. would be trying to get onto the ride more often to beat their last score or to accomplish certain tasks or goals versus now you write it and you're like if i'm not going to be in the front this is not going to be great <laughs> i did see one tweet in response to uh kevin perger's tweet saying my favorite position in smugglers run is cargo <laughs> <laughs> it was like just let me have the experience don't make me press buttons just <laughs> yeah yeah and i think um Speaking of that, basically in Star Tours, we are just cargo. We are yeah. we are in a mm-hmm. ship, but I think there's the interactivity that they use in Star Tours, which is who is the rebel spy, is actually really right. pleasant and really nice. And whoever thought of that idea mm-hmm. is is just it's so genius because it's it really it, weirdly it brings you more into the story than I mean your face is up on the screen, you know? Like that's that's really cool. So I almost think that's more interactive than being able to fly the ship. I don't know about you. Like, it's just, it's weird. It's a well, weird what about, balance. What about like in, in mission space, it, it's not consequential. So I, I almost like yeah. hesitate to say that it's actually interactive, but there's buttons that you have to press in certain seating positions. So it has a little bit, you know, it is kind of like a precursor to um, some of the non-piloting positions in Smuggler's Run, in a way, like depending on where you sit, you press buttons at different times, but it's not consequential to anything and it's certainly not ranked. You're not accumulating points, it's just basically changes the audio track maybe, you know? I haven't been on Mission Space enough times, but I do remember needing to press buttons and thinking, 
these buttons don't really do anything. So I'd almost rather the buttons not be there. <laughs> yeah, what, what I think they do is they distract people from the G-forces. I think it's actually like a way to psychologically engage people in something other than just looking forward. I can see that. Because yeah. uh, that is a ride that people get very sick on. In fact, in all of Disney parks, it's the only ride that has its own janitorial team. Re no way. Really? And they are the best. I mean, like, it's... Wow. I don't know if it's well-known. It's something I heard a while ago that, like, the janitorial teams at Disney are extremely well-paid and are extremely well-respected. And so this is, like, the SEAL Team 6 of the janitorial <laughs> Disney team <laughs> at Mission Space. I know. Because you walk around there and you never see a drop of anything out of place that's true that's true it was and people get off of those things and as and in the rides themselves there are barf bags but you never see them used yeah i did notice that that was that was the only ride that had you know barf bags in it but yep you and i i mean we're addicted to g-force so for me Code v. <laughs> yeah we are <laughs> we we absolutely love that stuff so i pick the i think it's the orange side is the more intense side yeah orange side yep yeah i've never done the green side so that might be fun the next time i go just to see what it's like it is cool well it's cool now because they they changed the mission they changed the uh oh. sequence oh that's, so that's cool. pretty neat that is like i think that's pretty enjoyable yeah so do you get in to the same, like, just the, the mirror room, but it doesn't actually spin? Uh, right. Okay. So it, it's, or maybe it spins a little. I'm not actually sure if it, oh. if it, I don't think it does any spinning. It just does the, um, the lateral. Okay. Yeah, motion. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the tilt back, tilt forward. Yeah, the tilting. Because you still feel, you know, the sort of gravitational illusions. Uh, but the mission is different now, which I think is pretty cool. So it's like, more earth-based instead of actually going to mars so you know neat experience that's cool uh, and they upped the video quality a little while ago so yeah it's a it's a fun it's a fun ride that's neat and hopefully that'll be kind of in theme with space 220 the restaurant 220 yeah yeah i'm excited Which for that, that that thing has been delayed a whole bunch and i'm not sure if it's just for covid reasons or if it's for technological reasons or both or or something completely different but i am really excited about that as well um, the themed immersive restaurant thing, like <laughs> that, it, it's super cool. You know, you get shot 220 miles up into the sky, and you're orbiting Earth, and you get to have dinner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cool. I, I, yeah. I apparently, from what I've seen, as far as the uh, the patents for it, it looks like it's going to be pretty incredible, and the views are going to be pretty pretty excellent. So I'm excited to go on. Maybe uh, maybe I'll have to fit that in next year when I go, but. Uh, I, I, I expect it will be open by then. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I can't think of any other um, immersive or like, sorry, um, rides that require like interactive. Yeah. Like the interactive side of things. Like I said, like Autopia is very interactive, but like something that's not just you operating the vehicle is the interaction, but that it's, it's more like the, because, like, in that sense, Roger Rabbit or the teacups or any of these other things, like, I guess maybe that's the origin of our guests want to do the thing, not just be a part of a story unfolding. Maybe that's where the origin is, is, like, the ability to have 
some influence in the ride, which is like, oh, I can spin my vehicle or, oh, I can drive the car itself, not just have it drive me. Maybe that's where this all came from originally. So maybe that is, like, I guess the origin is the park in a way, you know? Yeah. They put an interactive element in and people said, yes, yeah, yes, more of this. I almost think, too, it probably has to do something with, like, the shooting gallery, right? Like, the shooting gallery in Big Thunder Mountain is basically a non-moving version of Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. So, I, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, if you if you imagine, like, the theme park version of, like, you know, like, the caveman at the far left, <laughs> and then you see, like, the, the man walking upright in the far right, you have, like, the shooting gallery, yep. you've got Buzz Lightyear, and then, like, kind of parallel to Buzz Lightyear, you have star tours right and then you have smugglers run um with maybe rise of the resistance somewhere in there but you can like see this evolution of rides and ride technology and i mean the the lines are kind of like the indicator that they're doing the right thing yeah you know these are the most popular rides so they have the most demand so obviously these these designers are doing something right the experiences are serving what they should be serving and it all culminates with Peter Parker. Yeah, basically. And I'm I don't At least so far. I don't want to mislead the viewers. I I'm not I'm not ragging on interactive rides at all. Um I just think I think they do definitely have a place in the parks, especially if you're somebody who visits very you know, not often, basically. Like I should I should rephrase that. I think they're I think if, that interactive rides are good if you don't go to the parks every month. Right? Yeah. If your if your trips are pretty infrequent, uh I think that that that, that type of ride really does serve its place. Yeah, it does. And it is a good um it's a good sort of like change of pace from the typical ride experience. So yeah, it's kind of like a, a breath of fresh air in a way. I think it would be really fun if we did this is I'm so glad we thought of this topic just now, but like I, I think we should do a ride and I've kind of done it already with like the Tomorrowland takeover that we did, like one of our earlier oh, episodes yeah. where I, I created rogue robots, <laughs> which was rogue robots. which was a um a Wally overlay over Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters where you would shoot rogue robots on the Axiom ship. But I feel like we should Let's not overlay a ride this time. I feel like we should go in and we should design from beginning to end an interactive game type, maybe shooter ride um, and see how it would last. We'll, we'll ask the viewers, you know, how many times they think they would go on it if they went as often as we did. And we'll try to fix those problems of the repeatability for people like you and me and, and pass holders. One of the missing elements, well, an aspect of Men in Black that's pretty cool is that there is a section where this, the track does a Y split. Um, and so you have a ride vehicle on either side facing each other, and there's a target up at the top of each ride vehicle, and you can shoot the other ride vehicle, and whoever gets the most shots wins points first of all and then they just turn back and then you keep going but the losing vehicle gets a little punishment and i know you've mentioned a couple of times like the punishment aspect of rides is like such a cool unique motivator it is to like 
do the the competitive thing really well but also like it's fun and funny to be on the losing side it's not upsetting or sad or annoying totally it's like oh this is this is still fun this is still you know you basically get spun around three times like fairly quickly okay that's your punishment cool a little air in the face cool whatever vibrate the seat cool whatever like you just move on it's fun but the whole point is like that like oh i was on the losing side or oh i was on the winning side <laughs> yeah i think actually now that you mention it of a pretty good example of losing but it's really fun is radiator springs racers someone has to lose on that ride and someone gets to win you have zero control <laughs> over whether you <laughs> no win or lose at all. but it's super fun regardless so um yeah i think we should definitely do a deeper dive and 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 definitely like figure out what the perfect balance is of an interactive ride that includes some sort of competitive aspect that sounds yeah. like a lot of fun that sounds like a that ton would be of really fun. fun so and a good challenge for sure definitely and we'll keep an eye out and if you guys have any other uh attractions that have kind of that interactive competitive feature um that we missed i mean let us know I, I would love to see what other attractions are out there just so we can study them and then when we design our attractions we we make sure that we don't copy something or we get tips right that'd be super cool i know that there's uh i mean i know nothing about the theme parks in europe but there are some incredible rides and attractions in europe that uh that match anything that we know in, in the US. And um, and obviously Asia has its own share of amazing rides as well. So yeah, I would love to hear more about um, any of the other interactive rides, whether it be a shoot 'em up game or just something else where you can influence your outcome. I mean, this was a fun conversation. We did we had zero agenda going into this episode. <laughs> this we, was really great. But we ended up like in a really cool subject, which is interactive rides. So like I said, comment down below. Tell us what other uh, interactive rides are out there. Uh, make sure to like this video as well. And make sure you hit the subscribe button because we're going to be doing a lot of more uh, videos. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys are up to date. Um, you can listen to us on the go. We are on anywhere you can listen to a podcast. So Apple Podcasts, any, any of those places. Keep up on our Instagram, at Theme Park Sandbox. I think our Instagram is really going to be the spot to follow along with us during the week. Because we have the ability to do these field trips out to the parks now, um, I got some really awesome DMs in response to my trip to Magic Kingdom saying like, hey, I've never been to a Disney park before. This is so cool to see. Or, oh man, I'm planning a trip for the 50th anniversary. Like I'm gonna be out there in October. This is so cool to see, I'm so excited. So that's really the spot to kind of keep up with us during the week. And if you wanna have an influence on what we talk about, I mean, leave us some comments on Instagram, leave us some comments in YouTube and we read all of them. So I'm really excited about, about seeing you guys in Instagram during the week and then getting to see every week or every weekend when we post these new videos, seeing the response. This has been a great, great episode. Seriously. I've had a great time. Drew. Awesome. Yeah. Me too. Well, we can't wait to see you guys in the next one. Until then, we'll see you later. Bye guys. Bye.